welcome to Flamenco Attitude, our podcast that brings you all things flamenco. Our listeners that have followed us from the beginning, or even if you're a new listener, you can look back uh, on our episodes. We have we try to cover everything flamenco. We started with explaining what flamenco is, our first episode. Then we moved on to what subgenres flamenco has, because there are a fair few, there are many. And we also talked about other aspects of the culture such as the flamenco dance oh that was a good episode because it's very visual but dance is possibly what attracts people especially who are not very familiar with flamenco uh, it is their first encounter with the culture well we've been in a way on a string of episodes that talks about the great people of the genre we have covered the flamenco greats from the 30s and the 40s we have talked about the grand examples such as Paco de Lucia and Camarón de la Isla. And we very recently covered a younger, in a way, from the new generation, Vicente Amigo. Well, today we're continuing with somebody who's probably a little bit older than him, but very important as well because he carries the tradition and the sound, Rafael Riqueni. Now, interesting things about his life because he is from a place that rivals... There are two rival places we're going to talk about. We've touched upon upon it before, so something very interesting there in terms of a story. We're going to talk about his adventures in England because London and Manchester are pivotal points um, for his career that kind of took him here and he spread his talent and knowledge of the genre. And Marcos will also tell me about some of the rare things that he has in his collection connected to Raphael. Well, this is the episode on Raphael Riqueni. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about Seville being sort of separated, one side of the I river. I want to talk about the, Mon- the Montague and the Capulets of, yeah. of Andalusia, Well, you've please. got, on one yeah. side of the river, yeah. you've got Seville, and on the other side of the river, you've got Triana. How is that connecting to Rafael Riquet? Well, well, it's very connected to flamenco, because mm-hmm. Triana is where uh, the gypsies originally settled, uh, and was where they had all their forges. They were blacksmiths, and, and they played flamenco. And so Triana is synonymous with pure flamenco. So we're talking about Rafael Riqueni, one of the great guitarists of his age, growing up in, in an area that was very, very flamenco. And of course, Seville itself was a cradle over the years for some of the great guitarists. So he would have, as a young boy, listened to the records of Nino Ricardo, another guitarist from Sevilla. Um, and I don't know. The thing about Seville is they produce a very different type of guitarist to Jerez. Later on, we'll look at the the Jerez school, which is very different. I can tell if you put a record on if it's a Seville guitarist or somebody from Jerez straight away. But how does it connect to Rafael? Which side is he on? Well, he's in Triana. Right. So he's from the pure. He, he yeah, very. He's very much a, a Triana person, uh, not a gypsy, but. Uh, obviously somebody who who played and, and worked with a lot of, of the great gypsy artists and he starts emerging as an absolutely phenomenal player in a different way to the way we've discussed in previous issues about Vicente Amigo he, he's, in a way he's more classical it's, it's very much a classical type of flamenco he produces very very different and we'll have a little story about classical music a little bit later in oh, our that's chat that's interesting yeah. well in my head I'm already writing up the title of this episode 
classic flamenco, Rafael Riqueni. Do you like that? Yes, I do okay, like that. Okay, stamp of approval there. But I, I may change my mind by the end of the conversation. Well, talk to me about his emerging and his development. What, what, first of all, what eras are we talking about? Well, he, he starts emerging in, in the 80s uh, as a major player. And obviously he's uh, in the shadow of people like Paco de Lucia, um, he doesn't play like Paco. He's got very much his own style, but he starts to get quite a big reputation. He starts accompanying singers and he starts to become a major force. And he produces a, a record which uh, is just incredible. It's my favourite. You, you've had a look at it and you've seen that the, the, the sleeve is very, very thin paper because he's on this new label. You actually told me that the one that you have yeah. is not as thin as the no, first No, one. the original was just so, so thin because it was a brand new label. And he brings, a, there's, there's a piece on there which we, we should listen to, which he brings a whole new way to playing flamenco. And I think you're going to love this galley. It's Sonichetti. Before we actually play it, uh, you're going to tell me how he was very nervous about the playing around the banks of the river there. Yeah, I mean, they have in in, in Triana every year um, this sort of great event. It's called the Vela de Santiago y Seña de, de Santa Ana. Because Santa Ana is one of the... They're the two saints of the gypsy people of Triana. And in the summer, they have a massive festival. And all the... All the in, during the day, it's like a huge street fair with all food going on and... But in the night, you get flamenco. But the other great thing about it, which you'll love, is it's the time of year when you get these fresh green hazelnuts. Oh. Yeah. And the tradition is you go and get a bag of the hazelnuts and then you wander along the banks of the Guadalquivir, the great river that divides Sevilla from Triana, just munching on your, on your hazelnuts and just enjoying it, and then looking forward to what will be a, a stunning flamenco thing in, in the evening, where the artists, you don't have to pay for it, and they perform in, in the square on the corner, the Alto Thano. The, the, it's like um, a plaza, the Alto Thano, and they, put, they build a stage uh, outdoors. It's a wonderful thing. And Rickenny was booked to play there, and he was very, very nervous. Um, I went into a, into a bar there with him because they, there's no changing rooms, obviously, so they have to use the the bar around the corner for the changing rooms. And also performing that day was the great artist Antonio Canales, you know, and there he was dancing, uh, absolutely incredible. And then I saw, you know, Rickenny playing some really complex solos which mm. is where what he does you know very very deep music very complicated stuff and he obviously he memorizes it all and he plays it absolutely wonderful absolutely beautifully okay let's hear the track here then sonicetti maybe it was a novelty back in the day back in the day for flamenco artists to tour abroad but he was very much one of those people who did. Yeah, I mean, he he got into the troupe of somebody you'll know, the great dancer Mario Maya. Yes. Um, and he, he was contracted as the guitarist with another great guitarist, Gerardo Nunez, from her from the Jerez province, and they they took part in the play, and it was, it was great because obviously they're having to accompany, but it's a it's a it's a play, I Hondo, and. At one point, they're they're supposed to be in a boat, so they're using their guitars as paddles. So they take they make out their guitars are things for paddling through the water, and they they do all of this. But in the interval, 
and this is the interval, right, not buzzing, they played a blistering set of duets. I've never, ever seen anything like it. Absolutely incredible. Mm. Yeah. Oh, hang on a second. Yeah. You told me that there are no duets in flamenco. We talked about it. Oh, no, but you were thinking of singing duets. <laughs> Don't get me all the technicalities, because <laughs> yeah. we talked about no, it. No, no, the, the, so, so the pair of them were playing, you know, it, yeah. it was great. I can't remember the theatre. Oh, I know, yes, I can remember. It was down in, in the famous place in London, in the Sadler's Wells. And that's where you saw him. That's where I saw him. And he played, you know, I'm, I'm a guitar player, and I was with, 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 with my person who worked with me for many, many years, uh, David Shepherd, and you, you look at yourself and think... Should we carry on? <laughs> or should we put our guitars away in their cases for life, you know? I mean, it was two people at the top of their game. And obviously they were... They, the interval, in a way, was relaxation for them. Because, yeah. because there they were having to perform for the dancers yes. and the singers. And then obviously Mario had said to them, well, you know, if you want to just play to, to the just crowd play. in the interval, then just, just go and for they it. Did. And they did. And everyone stayed, I imagine. Well, well, yeah, cause it, was, it was an unusual interval. You know, nobody's going to make any noise when you've got two, two guitarists like that. So, did they play anything of their music or kind of improvisations? No, it's, they played their compositions. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. The sad thing is I don't think there's any um, any recording of them together, you know. That's sad, but, yeah. you know. And then um, Manchester is another point in, another place in England. That, in the, in that, the that, north, yeah. In the north, which is um, key. Yeah. Well, what happened in Manchester? Well, I, I knew um, and still do know many of the promoters, concert promoters of world music, and one of them said to me, "Look, uh, Raphael has been booked to play in Manchester. I can't now remember the venue, but I remember it's quite an elaborate setup to record record the concert." And um, he said, "Could you meet him earlier, you know, and take him around Manchester?" Now, the interesting thing about Raphael at this stage was all he was interested in was finding shops in Manchester that sell classical sheet music. See, yeah, and I said, What well, you know, you don't, you, this was like my own maestro, Pepe Martini, you know, he was forever playing classical, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and then he would say, Why won't he play some flamenco? You know, so I said, Well, you're lucky, Rafa, you know, in. In Manchester, there's these two very famous companies that, that produce sheet music. So we went to this shop, and there he was, you know, going through endless files of all these different composers. So I presume, I've never known this for definite, that he does he does read music, you see. And we, he came out with a huge bundle of, of, of music, and then we went round Manchester... And and then of course he got ready got ready for the concert and he did like a blistering again but on his own concert you know of all his top compositions it could have even been in the University of Manchester I don't remember exactly the venue and he was great and afterwards we went back to his hotel room and then of course as with all flamenco artists there's what they play for the public and then what they play in private is on another level you know they always keep something back and show you something absolutely even more outstanding than what they've done in the concert. And he certainly did that. Did he... Because I'm not... I'm, I'm trying to remember. I'm racking my brain to... It, it was actually Paco Dossi, right? We were talking about how he listened to Carmen, which is a classical piece, and yeah. he interpreted it into Flamengo. Yeah. Is that the case... And of course, Paco doesn't read music. He oh, sorry, never. Sorry, obviously, he's, he's passed now, but he never did read music. He never did. And that did cause him, and strangely enough... 
in his life, some of these critics for the newspapers were said, oh, this isn't quite right, the way he's interpreted Manuel de Faye, yes, because he did it by his ear. He did it by ear, which yeah. is, of course, a yeah. great achievement. Yeah. Is that the case for Rafael Riquetti? No, I think he reads music. And did he, in a way, change classical pieces into flamenco? No, he tended to he absorb, just absorb them into, yeah. his, into his... That's why it's, you're right to call this like classic flamenco, because it, it's drawing on a very classical way of playing, the way that the, the guitarists played in the 30s, when, they, when the, the idea of the solo guitar started to emerge with Ramon Montoya and people like that. Who were his favorite composers? Mozart, Johannes Bach, Handel. <laughs> I never asked him that. You never asked no, him. I can't even remember what sheet music. He, I know he was very, very pleased with with what he got. You know, he's, uh, you know, he came out with. We were in there for ages in this shop, you know, and I kept trying to say, "Look, you're a flamenco artist. Don't worry about any of that. Just stick to doing." I'm your... so glad he didn't listen to you because he probably. <laughs> felt that he needs to be inspired. Shall we have another track? Yeah, I think we should have another one of that, you know, absolutely groundbreaking album. We should listen to Juego de Niños. Actually, uh, we just played Juego de Niños, uh, Juego, actually, we just played Juego de Niños, and now you're going to talk to me about the label that, you know, he was associated with. Yeah, I mean, there's a a man called uh, Mario Pacheco, and we'll we'll go into this in more detail when we'll do a special on the the label Nuevos Medios. Uh, But Rafael Riqueni was one of the early artists that he signed up um, to to be this real cool label, you know, very, very sort of... Because there were a number of flamenco labels, but not... I mean, as you can see from the the album that we played the track of, that is another uh, Mario Pacheco photo, and he was a photographer that then turned to um, to being a music producer. The, the sun is out here the now, is out. So, you can't see so I am. Uh, well, you can see that's rather it. like the photograph he took of Camarón smoking mm-hmm. the cigarette, I'm and that's by the way, that's his. If we're looking at that, I don't know if you're going to take a photo of it later. That is that is his bedroom in, in Triana. And what we didn't mention earlier, because of course, his, his, you said, is he from Triana? Well, he his family had a, a motorbike shop on the corner, uh, you know, Rikendi Motos. So they sold motorcycles. So he's very much a Triana person. So he gets on that label and, uh, you know, he's one of the pioneers of what was to build up into a, a fantastic label, which we'll examine in more depth later on. And just looking at his covers, do you know, out of the other flamenco covers that I've seen, you know, of LPs, and yeah. this really does have a different touch to it. It has, yeah. because Vincente Amigo, if I don't know who he is, if I don't know his yeah. music, I will look at it and I'll say Latino perform. Yeah. When I look at Riqueni's covers, yeah. it, it really is like a classical, yeah, isn't it's, it? It's not about him, is it? It's not about him, it's no. about the music. Because if you look at that other one with the collage on yeah. it, I mean, how about that? I will try to put pictures up, especially yeah. if you follow us on Twitter at Flamenco Pod. I try to put up as many pictures as I can that I've taken. And uh, you will see the difference between... Riqueni's covers and, for example, Vincente Amigo's covers. Of course, you can compare with other people, um, Mm. but just these two kind of strike me as different. Well, Mario said to me, he's the most amazing player. He was so impressed with him, you know. How old is Rafael right now? I I don't know. You've got me there. 
Yeah, but probably a little bit older than... Uh, well, I, I can... You see, we've got, you know, enormous uh, resources here. <laughs> so I, I will look up his date of birth and then you can do the arithmetic yeah. and we'll work out how old he is now. It shouldn't take too long to find him. Well, here he is. He was born in yeah. 62. Yeah, so he's 60 at the moment. And you see, interestingly, his entry into this vast tome I've got here is Guitarista y Compositor. So he's regarded as a composer mm. as much as a guitarist. Very much so. Well, I know that you have one more track that you would really like to play. Yeah, I think when when he moved into another era, he, he created... I mean, one of the things he's brilliant at is the Bullerias. And he created one that I, I bought I bought this CD in Seville almost the day it came out. It's absolutely fantastic. And the track we want to hear is Mi Tiempo. And also here I will listen to his albums and I will choose a track that I actually like. So yeah, I'd like that. I'd be interested to know what you go is. for. Yes. What a different type of performer uh, Rafael Riquetti is. I didn't quite expect that he would be someone drawn to classical music, which is quite different to flamenco, of course. But he was really influenced and he did it in a different way. Uh, and also, he's somebody who composes, which is sometimes not... It's rare to see, especially if we talk about singers and guitarists, they tend to uh, either interpret or not even read music. But he did. He did both. Um well, I think I definitely will call this episode a classic flamenco, a, cl a classic in the genre or something along those lines about Rafael Riqueni. Really enjoyed it. And we're going to continue unearthing and talking about different performers in the genre because I believe, and Marcos as well will join me on this, it's important to say, to, to present these people one by one in their art and that you can make a judgment, you know, who is your favorite and who will probably be the next person who continues, you know, carry out the uh, fame of flamenco. But until the next time, whether you listen to, learn or play flamenco, remember to always follow the beat. Mm -hmm.